Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Friday, July the 20th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are back with Kevin Dern talking all things linebacker in this wide nine defense. He is the author of the defensive preview piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now. But before we get into that with Kevin for part three of the defensive series here, I kindly invite all of you guys that have not done so to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review once you are there. Give me a follow on Twitter at Winkful NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And of course, check out LockedOnDolphins.com as well as the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have 10 linebackers to get to today. Let's go ahead and get right into the episode with Kevin Dern. That's another Miami Dolphins. And for the third consecutive day, I'm joined by my friend, my former podcast co-host, Kevin Dern. Kevin, what's happening, man? Oh, not too much. Just trying to get through the work week and uh, breaking up with some podcast action is good. <laughs> I know it's, good weird. To me. it's weird to keep asking you what's up three podcasts in a row as we're doing this all in one day, but uh, we're doing this on Sunday, recording the podcast right after the World Cup game finished. It was a really good game between Croatia and France. France comes away with the championship, and it brings me back to a question that I think Kevin and I have visited in our personal text messages several times. And so for my hierarchy of sports, the Miami Dolphins trump everything imaginable. I would rather watch a Dolphins game over anything. And then the U.S. men's national team is below that. And the Seattle Mariners are right in that mix for me. So I have three teams that I really, really, truly care about. And Kevin asked me, if the Mariners were in a World Series game, would you rather watch that game or go to a regular season Miami Dolphins game? And the answer is simple for me. What about you, for you, Kev? Reds or Mariners? Or Reds or Dolphins? Well, if they were on the same night, I would go to a, a Dolphins game, to be honest with you. And that's just, it's crazy that we're that obsessed about this sport and this team because, I mean, for me, the Mariners haven't even been to a World Series in their history. So that's like the most outside crazy thing imaginable. Right now, they're in the midst of a 17 year playoff drought. And they're currently blowing one of the biggest leads imaginable in the wild card race as we get to the All Star break. But it just this team, this Dolphins team, means so much to us. And I think part of the suffering probably has something to do with that too, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. And and I'm actually old enough where I can kind of vaguely remember the Reds winning the World Series in 1990. So, at least one of my teams has at least won a championship in in my lifetime. So I've got that. <laughs> And also well enough to know that the Dolphins were actually a good team back in the 90s, even though Marino was coming down his last leg. And one of the reasons they were was because of the dominant defense they had, and especially a linebacker named Zach Thomas. We're talking about linebackers today. How do you like that transition, by the way? We're talking about linebackers. (laughs) And I think we got to start with the uh, sophomore coming off the knee injury. One snap last year goes down in preseason, loses the entire rookie season. Of course, Raekwon McMillan. And one of the things, Kevin, you and I have talked about a lot is that Pete Thamel article on Yahoo talking about the Dolphins scouting department and how they loved Mika Fitzpatrick this year, but last year it was Raekwon McMillan that everybody just had a, for lack of a better word, total chub over. And the way he leads, the way he commands attention on the field, in the huddle, on the locker room, just a overall 
just stud of a linebacker and leader. What do you expect for Raekwon in year, in year number two for him? This technically year number one. Is he going to show some effects from that injury? What do you expect in Raekwon McMillan's second season? Well, I'll just start by saying that was my my favorite pick out of the 2017 draft class. They they needed to take the linebacker. I thought he was one of the guys that fit. So I was really pumped when that pick happened. And I guess I would just say if you're expecting him to come out and be, you know, Patrick Willis in his prime or like Luke Keekley, I think you're kind of looking up the wrong or barking up the wrong tree there. Um but I think what he's going to be is he's going to be a linebacker who can lead the defense. He can get guys set up and aligned correctly. And he's going to be a run stopper from B-gap to B-gap. Sort of like how Ray Maluga was last year. I think the difference is with Raekwon, even though he had the, the ACL injury, I think he's going to show that he's a good bit more athletic than Ray Maluga was. So you can do some things with him in terms of blitzing. You can probably have him drop in some zone coverage and or even, you know, go man-to-man on some of the running backs that we'll see. Maybe not guys like Deion Lewis or, you know, we, we don't play the Panthers this year, but, you know, Christian McCaffrey. You wouldn't want him manned up on those type of guys. But I think he'll be a guy that Miami wants to make him sort of their true LB1, and I think he'll he'll probably be a guy that plays close to 100% of the snaps if he stays healthy. Well, that was my question for you. You talked about covering Christian McCaffrey, something that Kiko Alonso definitely could not do yet he played 96% of the snaps last year. So you have Raekwon as the, I guess, if I, everything goes the way you want to, a 100% snap taker at Mike Linebacker? Yeah, I think, and that's just not me. I think if the Dolphins have everything, if all the tumblers align correctly, I think Raekwon McMillan becomes their, you know, their leader of the defense. So, um, and I, th- I think Kiko Alonso starts the year as sort of that, that linebacker two for him. Okay, so that was my next question for you then. So Kiko's the number two linebacker. How many reps does he get? Where does he line up primarily? Does he switch back to a will linebacker? Like, what's his role in this defense now? Yeah, I mean, the the two outside linebacker spots, there's really no weak and strong. It's just Mm -hmm. kind of left and right. I think he's always played on the right side, which, you know, I think just by frequency of NFL teams is going to be the weak side. And I think he gets kind of a bad rap from last year just because he had that huge contract extension instead of that second-round tender that we could have done with the RFA, you know, thing, but you know, that's Mike Tannenbaum water under the bridge. (laughs) Um, I think he plays the run pretty well when he's got those open window reads and he can attack downfield and and make plays against the run. Um, He shouldn't be a guy that plays, you know, more than like 75 or 80% of the snaps. I think the key is going to be when you go into some of these sub packages, I think you, and I think the dolphins have to hope, that Jerome Baker can at least come in and be kind of that coverage specialist. He played so well at Ohio State next to Raekwon McMillan when they were there together in 2016. Um, I think you have to hope Jerome Baker can kind of eat into the coverage responsibilities that Kiko Alonso took. And I also think that having, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick there kind of frees you up to use TJ McDonald as kind of a, a pseudo coverage linebacker. So, Taking that into consideration, if you've got Jerome Baker, possibly TJ McDonald, and then you have Stephon Anthony, who's been working with the starters so far, um, all three of those guys, I think, are going to give you a little bit more in coverage than Kiko Alonso. I think the the kind of mystery is going to be how quickly do the Dolphins coaching staff realize that they need to take Kiko Alonso off the field on as many of those coverage snaps as possible. 
um, that's going to be kind of the, the telling story. So I hope Jerome Baker is able to kind of win that linebacker three battle and, and then eventually eat into some of those coverage snaps for the linebacker two responsibilities. You made some great points that I want to get to, Kev. We're going to take a break first real quick. We'll come back and answer that little that portion given by Kevin on the podcast here. It's at Wingful NFL, at Lockdown Fins, and at KevinMD4. All right, back in segment number two here on the podcast, talking to Kevin Dern, talking about linebackers for the 2018 Miami Dolphins. And one of the things you mentioned, Kev, that I that really struck a nerve with me, or not a nerve, but just stuck out in my head, was that Kiko Alonso was the top snap taker last year at 96%. The number two linebacker was at 75%, which is exactly where you predicted about Kiko would be this year, give or take, behind Raekwon as the number one linebacker. So those are the one, number two linebackers. Obviously, Kiko's contract puts him in a bit of a bind going forward. So you hope that Jerome Baker can take some of the coverage responsibility, like you mentioned, take some of the, the pressure off of him in that regard, as well as Stephon Anthony. We have other guys in the roster too. So I guess what I'm asking you here is we have Raekwon, Kiko, Stephon Anthony is your number three right now, or is it between him and Jerome Baker? Um, I think just based on right now, I would give it to Stephon Anthony. And the reason behind that is because I think the two guys he's competing with are Jerome Baker, who's a rookie, and then Terrence Garvin, who they signed from Seattle, who, you know, is coming from a scheme that's not exactly similar to what Miami's playing. So I think just kind of by default, Stefan Anthony has a leg up. But I think the sooner Jerome Baker can win that linebacker three job when they're in the base set and kind of eat into that linebacker two role, uh, the better off the defense will be. And I think Stefan Anthony getting 133 snaps last year within this defense gives him a leg up there for sure. And it'll be nice to see him actually get a crack at playing. And I hope he does because a fifth round draft pick in season to me just seems like such a value to give up for a guy that you, I guess, are experimenting with. So I'm really hopeful for that reason that he steps his game up and becomes a player that can contribute. So behind him, you talked about this basically glut of players that I'm not really sure how to separate. We talked about Jerome Baker a lot and what he can do both as a blitzer and coverage, the fact that he worked alongside Raekwon McMillan at Ohio State. And you mentioned Terrence Garvin as well, and I wrote up a piece on Garvin just like I did Akeem Spence on the previous episode when he got signed in free agency, and he had a lot to work with in terms of special teams. He has the speed and athleticism that we're looking for to kind of phase out the guys, possibly like Chase Allen and Mike Hole. So do you see this group as kind of transitioning towards a different build off the prototype? Because this is a team... With Mike Tannenbaum, Chris Greer, they love prototypes. They love having a certain thing they like in a position, and they draft and sign accordingly to that. Are they kind of transitioning out of this big, beefy linebacker spot and maybe going more athletic now? Um, I think so. I'm going to back up first, though. Yeah, please do. We were talking about Stephon Anthony. I think we could very well see a scenario where early in the season, when you're in that 4-3 look, you have McMillan, Alonzo, and Anthony out there. And then when you go to nickel, you kind of pick and choose who comes in for Kiko Alonso based on, you know, who can do it better. So I, I do think Stefan Anthony will see snaps, even if he's not, you know, a quote unquote starter at, you know, for Miami. So would you um, say would you say that it's safe to to assume that we're not going to have like a set amount? Because typically you have like your one linebacker gets X amount of snaps, your two linebacker gets X amount of snaps. Do you think it's not going to be the case this year? Yeah, I think it'll be pretty fluid, and I think it'll be that way just because you can't really predict the development of, of Jerome Baker. Right. You know, he might get it from day one or it might take him, you know, six, seven games to, to, to fully get it. So I think it'll be pretty fluid. Yeah. That... Um, but then to go back to your question about the, the build, I really don't think the, the build matters for the outside linebackers in this, 
scheme just because as long as you're fast and you can tackle, you know, you can play. I remember the Detroit Lions in 2014 used Ashley Palmer, who was a, a college safety at Ole Miss as a as their strong side linebacker, and I think he was like six foot and 220, um, but he could tackle. Um, I think really it, it kind of matters. The size matters in the middle just because that guy's got to go one-on-one with either a center or a guard or a lead blocker. Um, so I think – I think in my head, I, th- I have Chase Allen making the roster right now just because he's the biggest guy we've got. And he played, I think he started, what, three or four games there last year. Um, and he was solid on special teams. So I've got him on the roster for now with Garvin. Um, but I can see Terrence Garvin and Mike Cole kind of being in a battle along with Quentin Poling. I can see Chase Allen very well being in a battle with Mike McCray, who was you know, who's a big guy himself and is kind of a good tackler, but he's not the athlete that Chase Allen is, certainly not the athlete that Raquan McMillan is. So I think they've got some options, and, you know, I think they'll end up with at least one linebacker on the practice squad when all's said and done. Let's go ahead and unpack this on the other side of the podcast here and, and get into our final roster predictions, and we'll, we'll break that down next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Okay, okay, let's go ahead and wrap this podcast up and talk about the guys we have on the roster. So y- you going over that that little bit right there in the last segment just confused me in terms of what I think is going to happen with the linebacker position because like you mentioned, there are so many guys that are somewhat similar battling for the same type of jobs, and I think it comes down ultimately to special teams, and that's why I do have Terrence Garver making the roster. I think he was signed primarily to kind of help fill out Darren Rizzi's kick coverage units and everything like that. So. You go along with that, I think that there's a couple of practice squad spots there for a couple of guys. Obviously, Raekwon's on the team, Jerome Baker, Kiko Alonso, Stefan Anthony. That gives me Terrence Garvin. And I'm going to go ahead and pull an undrafted guy onto my roster. He's from Michigan. He's the plotter you mentioned inside, the type of linebacker that could possibly be like a Chase Allen type of guy that maybe helps fill your B-gap to B-gap responsibility. So I'm going with Mike McCray on my final roster with Quentin Pulling and Kaysen Collins as the practice squad member. So what do you have at linebacker? Yeah, I've got... Um the same first five, but I've got, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got Chase Allen making it over uh, Mike McCray just because Chase Allen can kind of play both inside and outside. So I think that flexibility kind of gives him the win. Um, I think Mike Hull's shot probably came and went. He's nothing more than a special teams guy, and I think Terrence Garvin can probably win that job. Um I think they'll probably try and keep Quentin Poling on the practice squad just because they, they did use a draft pick on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never know. Mike McCray's, you know, from Michigan. Steve Ross gave him, you know, an extra signing bonus because Steve Ross loves Michigan and went there. So we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, they kept Davion Smith around forever last year on the practice squad as the only Michigan guy on the, the roster. So we'll see. We'll see. And that's my only real justification for putting him on the roster is that Stephen that Stephen Ross connection, and, and we know how much you love Michigan. So uh, I think that's a good spot to go ahead and pack this one up and go on to the next one. How, you got anything left on the linebackers, Kev? No, I just hope they play a lot better this year than they did last year. And do you think they will? I hope so. I think I think with McMillan back, I think the the unit will be better. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it just I think that's gonna be a big area for this team. If they can prevent the run from being too overwhelming, they can really set up those pass rushers and have a good defense this year. So let's go ahead and get out of here for this one and come back and talk about the cornerbacks next. 
And we will have that podcast on Tuesday as Kevin has signed off. But before we do that, I have to tell you guys who this episode was sponsored by. Our friends over at Core Essentials. That's K-O-R-E, Core Essentials, makes the best belt you'll ever own. What makes the Core track belt so awesome? No belt holes. That's right. Instead, their belts use a hidden track in the back of the belt with over 40 size points to choose from. Ever wonder why your pants slip and turn that waistline into a gut? Every day as you work, walk, eat, and play, your waist size fluctuates. In and out, just a little bit at a time, the core track belt adjusts to match your waist exactly. Each point on the core track belt is just a quarter inch apart, and that simple, small innovation means you get a precise, steady, and comfortable fit every time you put it on. Removing or adjusting your track belt is simple. Just pinch the small tab under the buckle. Core's patented design also makes it easy to remove the buckle or swap out styles. Core track belt ships one size to fit every waist from 24 to 44 inches with an extra large belt that goes up to 54 inches. You adjust the size yourself using their easy guide. Core offers a full line of fashion belts, including classic double stitched with full grain leather and smooth belts with no stitching, as well as gun belts for concealed carries. They also offer a stylish assortment of buckle faces made using solid stainless steel or high grade zinc alloys. Core's men's belts carry a 30 day money back guarantee and a full one year warranty against all defects unusual wear or breakage so feel confident when you shop and know that you're covered but trust me you're going to love it and want to get rid of all of your other belts i have done this with the core belt myself and i will never look back visit coreessentials.com to learn more and to get your own core track belt to see firsthand why it's the best belt you'll ever own seriously once you go core track you'll never go back and we've got a special offer just for our listeners save 10 percent off your order when using our code locked on at checkout again and that's locked on at checkout. That's core with a K, K O R E, coreessentials.com, and use the code locked on to save 10% off your order. And with the weekend coming up, football season almost here, I'm sure you guys are going to binge like crazy this weekend, and you might have to get one of those core belts just to get yourself into your pants come Monday. But as for today's podcast, that is going to do it for us here. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, and check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins, and keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog at Locked On dolphins.com the number one blog in the locked on network you guys have a great rest of your night we're back on monday with kyle Krabs for a special edition of locked on dolphins podcast your daily dose for miami dolphins football